Can I get a sound check? One, two, three, four, five. Try again. One, two, three, four, five. Where's your gain at? Same fucking place it was yesterday. <laughs> Jesus. Like, honestly. Hey, listen, I know I've said this before. I know I've said this before, but I'm not used to seeing you in clothes like that. So what? it's like every now and then I see you in a in a in that sweater or another one similar to it, and I'm just kind of like it looks great. Yeah. Okay. It, it just you know, you know that you are the only reason why I have this sweater. Yes, I the do. old man you, sweater. You've told me this, and I see how the collar's up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today, being the first day of school, it's a sad day. It's a sad day sending your kid off to school for the first day of school. As they get older, I have one, you have four. So I know how you feel like by two, by the third one, you're probably booting them out the door. The fourth one, you probably don't even know they even have a fourth one, right? Like I have one. So it's just, yeah, it's like, you know, every year just represents, man, grow up so fast. And people tell you that when you're about to have a kid or when you have a kid or when your kid's a baby and you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have any idea how many people have said that to me? And now he's nine. And I look back and I think, man, holy shit. These people were so right. It's. Are you done? Are you done? Because I am literally drowning in your tears right now. Do you know when I started thinking about my kids going back to school? July. I started to think about, man, that uh, school year couldn't come quicker. You're like, oh my god what are you talking I thought about we were having i just drove my kid to school i dropped him off i looked at him i said have a great day i'm thinking to myself i'm driving home i'm like freedom yeah i'm not that way i'm not that way i'm very different than you are but i understand yeah. oh like, yeah I, you love your kid no it's not it's it's not love versus not love it's not like okay so for instance if you only had one, you'd probably feel very different about your fourth one going or, or how you feel about your fourth one going off to school or your third one. I mean, yeah, come on. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess me, I don't know. Maybe we're, <laughs> maybe we're just different. There's a whole lot of people listening right now that, that complete that agree with everything that you're saying. It's a tough time. You get to see your kids, you know, each and every year, you know, represents them getting older. And there's other parents that are just, they, they can't even wipe the smile off their face when their kid gets well, on the, the bus. And you know what they call those parents? Good dads. Ones. Dads. <laughs> no, are you talking? Well, because, I, I think it's the uh, exact I'm opposite. I'm like, what's that? I think it's the exact opposite. Oh, really? Allah. I, I should not in today's society, but typically, you know, the kids gravitate to the mothers. That's just the way it is. Or at least it is in our family. Like, I mean, they, the kids seem to kind of like, I'm like the, uh, the magnet that it's like 
pushing the kids away because I'm making them, you know, do stuff. And, you know, the mother is just like she's the mother hen. She is the one that that coddles and hugs and kisses and, you know, and maybe I'm so more of has got to do it in that house. Yeah, it ain't I mean, from you. so they they really like their mom. Right. So uh, moving on. Um, you said something to me about, oh, you know, I search around and what am I seeing? What am I seeing? All I see everywhere. And it's 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 not because we live here in Buffalo. It's not Buffalo. It's nationally Canada, all over the U.S. Everyone is picking the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Yep. Maybe not everybody. A vast majority of the league and their people who follow it are picking the Bills and Josh Allen. Well, it's interesting. You know, you you just go and do your you know, you're surfing, your research, you want to read articles, see what's going on out there and in, 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 the, in the hockey world. Um, in the next, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to have uh, training camp start. Uh, you know, things are, things are start starting to move and groove. But one thing you notice when you go on these sites, you know, you go on Sportsnet, what's the first thing you see? see Josh Allen, you see Cooper Cup, Joe Burrows, they're on the, the front page because it's NFL kickoff. You have uh, the Super Bowl champions of, of last year playing the Super Bowl favorites this year in, in Buffalo. And I, I, I'd like to know, like, when's the last time Buffalo's been a favorite? It would have to be maybe back in the 90s when they went to three consecutive Super Bowls and came up a little short, but... I mean, this fan base, I'm going to tell you, I've been here. I came to Buffalo in 2008. The bills were terrible. They were irrelevant. They were irrelevant, but not to Buffalo fans. I can still remember thinking back to when I was playing and, you know, you know, retired Bills are relevant here in Buffalo. And I mean, the fan base, it, win or lose, is insanely passionate. There's no bandwagoners like, you know, the, the Toronto Maple Leaf fans where they're only, they're only on the, the bandwagon when the team's good, right? Then you don't see, if they're not good, you don't see any having stickers and uh, flags out of the back of their car. The Bills fans, through thick and thin, they were there. And now, now with this, uh, with this uh, group, with uh, McDermott and Bean, have put together a nice team. Took a little bit of time, but they now have one of the strongest teams or arguably the strongest team in the NFL. But, but you- I, I think to myself, like, how about the pressure? How yeah, that's the pressure on Josh Allen. Yeah. I can't even I can't imagine what this this young man. I say he's a young man. He's like what is he? 25? Yeah, he's probably around, the, maybe a little older. I maybe yeah. I don't even know. Um I just uh I, I think to myself it's it there's got to be pressure on this team offensively and defense because the defense is are, is the best in the National Hockey or uh, NFL. And you look at the offense, it's one of the top offenses in the league. They've got great coaching. I mean, they have all the ingredients. Now you have to go out and you have to play. I don't care if you're a favorite. That means nothing. 
Well, if there's pressure on the Bills, I have I am yet to see them act like it. I, I, I why mean, is that? Well, I just mean they're loose. They're they don't seem to be. I'm not going to say they don't seem worried. I mean they seem focused on the task at hand. But you know, Josh Allen is everywhere. He's been doing a media tour. He's now doing a podcast every Tuesday with uh, I think his name's Kyle Brandt. Yeah, it is Kyle Brandt. Uh, he, you know, he did the golf thing. He is literally everywhere. And every, I mean, anyone that has a fan, I don't do fantasy football at all, but all I know is I know you do. I know you do. And I saw your head pop up there too. Like it snapped up like, like my God, like there was a, a buff chicken sandwich sitting in front of you. But anyway, everyone's picking him first in their fantasy football leagues and things like that. I mean, so when you talk about pressure, I I wonder how he is feeling about the pressure. I wonder if the Bills know and can feel the pressure that's on them. Yeah. And not only that, it's not like this fan base just celebrated a championship a couple years ago. Okay? You know what I mean? This fan base Well, is we did still, talk about that a little well, they're bit. They're burning. Right? from the four in a row still like, I mean, they made a goddamn 30 for 30 out of it. So it's like, you know, their, their, their fan base is sitting here and they're not, uh, they're not looking for uh, just another great season. They're looking for uh, the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we, and we did talk about that. Um, If you remember back when, when the bills were at training camp, and it just it, it just seemed like there was a lot of smiling going on. Uh, it seemed like, you know, you got, you know, and I, I don't know how it how it all works. But, uh, you know, the bills, you got Stefan Diggs taking pictures with babies on the sideline and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, what in God's name is going on down there? Very loose. This is a team that is is, is looking to 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 win the you know, the NFL championship. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you're a training camp. Should be a battleground. We got, we got players on the team taking pictures of babies, mothers handing, uh, you know, their babies over the, over the, the, the gate. And Josh Allen, I'm just like, what is going on most days? I mean, I don't know. I, but maybe maybe things are a little bit different in 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 the way that this team is preparing. They, you know, they. Uh, I I I just I I tend to go back and I'm like, listen, I like being loose and I like seeing that. But when you're when and I know it's open to the public, but I don't see guys like you know Tom Brady who's won how many Super Bowls seven. I don't see him taking pictures with babies. I don't see him laughing and giggling on the field. This guy has one focus, and that's to win every game that he plays. And it's unacceptable if you don't. And 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 that's just kind of what I look at is, you know, I, I not every not every player is the to- same, though. I right, have to not check a- the analytics on this. I don't know how many teams at training camp offensive linemen break out into a, a dance and then go on to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not saying they're not focused, 
But I, you know, I mean, it's because I, I, I'm the last person. I'm the last professional athlete, as I titled myself before, the most unprofessional professional maybe to ever play pro sports. But the 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 point I'm trying to make is, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, I know how to prepare to win a championship. But I I I know that I have had coaches that would look and say things like, "What the fuck are you guys doing? Like, get serious yeah. here." You know what I mean? So. My lasting impression in the National Hockey League was Lou Lamorello, you know? I mean, he was a no-bullshit guy. I learned how immature I was playing for Lou, you know? So it's like I I think about these things, and I think about that team that I was on. There was one mission and one goal, and that was to win a Stanley Cup, and I don't don't think that any of that would have ever flown. Now, I don't – I'm not saying that – I don't – I don't know. Maybe football's different. They're showing their personalities. That's the thing, right? It's a it's a it's a very fine line between preparing for your craft and also we live in a world of entertainment, social media, you know, gifs and videos and you know, likes and clicks and retweets and fucking impressions everywhere. And and part of part of it is that's the generation of the athlete that we we are dealing with too yeah so it'll be very interesting to see man listen i i gotta there, you, like I, you I, like i know that you're up on the bills but how much up up on the bills like is there a player that you're that you're looking and actually super excited to see play like is it josh allen is it just like is is that the the easiest answer to say i can't wait to see what josh allen does it's the only answer uh because it's the only answer josh allen is because it it falls on his shoulders simple that and the expectations that are on this player uh the steps that he's taken from the time he stepped in the league to last year and where he wants to go this year, all eyes are on him. Like globally, all eyes are on him. You know, yeah. it's, it's Josh, it's Alan Diggs, it's Alan and other guys, but it's Josh Allen. And simple as that. I mean, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. I think that's the, that's the easy the way of looking right at it. For me, it is. it's like everybody, everybody in the world wants to see because listen, I mean, fantasy football, I'm in five leagues. It, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, and everybody wants to see what Josh Allen is going to do, especially here in Buffalo. Um, but for me, you know, on a, on a, not a, a, a selfish note, but I, I'm really, really, really curious to see how James Cook does. It's the running back that they they picked up in in uh, in the second round. I listen, I mean everybody's appreciated and watched his older brother Dalvin Cook for years in 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 many and just dominate, okay? He has been one of the top running backs in a, in for years. And I just look at this, you know, James Cook, what does the Bills need? You know, they have, you know, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, you know, Isaiah McKenzie on the on the offense with, you know, Dawson Knox, who is an incredible tight end last year. And then it comes to the running backs. You know, Devin Singletary, is he is he a 
Is he a running back that's going to get this team to the promised land? Zach Moss. James Cook. Where is James Cook going to be? Not, I'm not worried about the start of the season, but where is he going to be at the end of the season? How can this kid take this team to another level? Pass catching back. Guy who is as shifty as they uh, as shifty comes. I, I, I'm really interested to see if this... This this uh, running back can take over the backfield. Well, it's winter bust here in Buffalo, but it, you know my eyes in the league are not here just solely in Buffalo. I mean, if there's one one player around the league that I'm watching, it's Aaron Rodgers and that musher meeting. <laughs> Guys, I mean, I just <laughs> how is he doing it at this age? Number one. Um, he just seems to have his personality just seems to have exploded in the last few years. Okay. And I, I tend to, I tend to like listening to him speak and seeing his, you know, Rogers discount, double check, you know, the old commercial. Yeah. Um, but I just, I mean, I just blown away at how these guys do it. And then obviously Tom Brady, man, I mean, is there a guy that it literally has had media, by puppet strings for the last 10, 15 years. Like, have you seen some of the stuff he's done? He's toyed with people and their emotions for years when it comes to football. And I, you know, I, I believe he's just still playing just to screw people with their heads, but it's unbelievable what this guy's doing. And you just wonder if he's going to die on a football field. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but did you see I, what he said? Like he missed the first week of camp and He's like, you know, shit happens or something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, you know, life happens. You know, you got shit going on. I mean, he's got kids. He's got a wife. He's got a business. He's a brand. So, I mean, he missed the first week of training camp. And I'd be interested to see how he does. Is, is, is this is this guy ever like, what is he, 45? What's his goal? I don't understand. Like, what's he playing for? It's not money. Well, have you looked up? Have you not a championship? The uh, the possible winners, like who are the favorites in the league? Yes, Bills are number one. Have you seen who's number two? San Francisco Bucks went to the Vegas odds. Bucks are number two. How? How are they number two? Because Tom Brady is still playing at a high end level. But you know what? At some point in time, you know, father time is going to catch up. You know, shoulders are not going to be, you know, as strong as what they used to be. Be the zip on the ball, you know, eyes. Like I, I, I told you this. Like I, I wear glasses now. I don't wear them all day long. I wear, I wear them for uh, as readers, sort of thing. And uh, all those years I went to training camp in the NHL, all the years I had incredible eyesight like i mean incredible eyesight i remember the doctors a number of years basically had said to me wow your your eyes are really good you know i hit about 43 years old i'm i'm now i'm going to be turning 48 i hit about 43 years old started to get you know a little little bit blurry and then just it just compounded from there it's like what the hell it's like i can't read anything without wearing glasses now and i look at tom brady i'm like you're 45 years old 
at what point in time does the reflexes, the eyesight, the muscle tone, you know, the, the shoulder that you've been throwing balls for like an ungodly amount of time, at what point in time does your, your shoulder start to wear down? Where's the wear and tear in this guy? It's the guy there. comes into the it's league. There. He's got the worst body in the history of the NFL. Yeah, it's there. The wear and tear is there. You know what? I I, I have such a hard time with Tom Brady because he's such a dork, but at the same time, he's so tough. You know, I mean, it's like it's. I don't know. I just have. It's such a. It's a very interesting. Um, uh, the word i'm looking for uh tandem you know to 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 say those two in the same sentence but i mean or at least so it would seem but i mean he just he wouldn't strike me as the kind of guy that would get up after taking a beating yet he does it year after year after year but here we are still talking about him 40 what 46 years old so well you You just ask yourself what makes him who he is and i look at tom brady i look at tom brady and I look at guys like um, um, Michael Jordan. I look at guys like Tiger Woods, all these guys that have dominated their sport. It is mindset. It is the, it is the computer between their ears. It's not their, it's not their um, God-given talents. Like Michael Jordan's a great, a great basketball player back in the day. He was, he was incredible. But what he had over everybody was his mind, his mind and what drove him. And Tom Brady, you look at, you know, his his athleticism and, and body makeup to play in the National, uh, National Football League. And it's just. It's like, how did this guy play so long? How has he dominated the sport for so long? It's all between his ears. It's all between his ears. Something I, I, triggered I, I, something triggered him. A long time ago that yep. pissed him off that made him want to prove something to someone and it always he always always seems like he ha- feels like he has something to prove by coming back and playing you know like I can it was like that comment that, con- that uh that craft the owner of New England made to him years ago when Tom Brady came up at at his first camp and said something and you you probably uh, remember this but Kraft, uh, Tom Brady came up to introduce himself and Kraft, the owner, said, hey, oh, yes, you're the fifth round pick. And Tom, Tom said something like, no, 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 I'm the best pick that you that you'll ever make or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. And. Ballsy, strong. And it just, you, you look what he's doing at his age is just to me mind boggling. And as much as he's destroyed the hopes and dreams of Bills fans for decades, it is still truly amazing what that man has done in his time. I saw him play in his rookie year here in Buffalo. It was a shitty weather game, it was all field goals. And you need to go and look up this uh, hit. Tom Brady ran down the sideline. And I remember when we were doing the old show on the radio, I said, Tom Brady, or somebody got absolutely murdered that game and a hit down the sideline and the guy's helmet came off. But I didn't know who the player was that got smoked. It was Tom Brady. 
Like he got absolutely killed um, running the, the ball down the sideline. Helmet pops off. I was on the other side of the stadium and I heard the hit. Okay. And someone messaged and sent the, sent us uh, a note saying, oh, it was Tom Brady and here's the hit. And I've seen the hit numerous times since. I just can't believe he got up from that. And he's taken a bunch of those throughout his career and he's still playing. That's the part that gets me. Go look at that hit after we're done talking. But you brought up training camp. We got to shift into a hockey conversation. But the Bills tomorrow night, I'm looking forward to it. It's funny that you brought up training camp because that's an angle that I wanted to go. Have you seen... Well, you know how quickly they play exhibition games now, but the Sabres come to camp like 21, 22 of September, and they're playing the 25th. How amazing is that? Like when you first came into the league, you were, you were reporting to camp by like first day after Labor Day, and you had three weeks or something, two and a half weeks, before you yeah. even played an exhibition game. Well, here, here's, here's what I remember. I remember being a, a young player at the time, not when I not when I necessarily was in the NHL. I remember showing up on August 15th. August 15th, there was two weeks of of camp of you know 80 players there. The 80 players, these rookies that are anywhere from 18 years old to probably 25 beat the crap out of each other for two weeks, two full weeks. Um, you were exhausted. Sometimes you were doing two a days. You were working out. And, and uh, then at the end of the two weeks, you had the rookie, the rookie games where you where Montreal back, back in that time went to a camp and they played like three other teams or something like that. You remember these. And it was, it was not hockey. going on now. There's like Buffalo has one coming up here with like four or five teams or something, but that was not hockey. It was the, it was quite frankly, probably the scariest. (laughs) And I, and I've never been really scared in, in my time playing, whether it was junior hockey or whatever. I, I remember those tournaments were always the scariest time in my hockey because it was not hockey. It was not hockey at all. It was an opportunity for super low end hockey players, fighters to basically make the team. And that's where they did the majority of their business because they didn't want they didn't want those players to just to go to camp and and start killing the veteran players and trying to win a job so they that's where they did their damage and i just remember some of those some of those um games that i played in the tournament and i was 18 19 20 years old it was a complete shit show and scary to be a part of because a lot of the time the last 5 minutes of that of those games that you played took 45 minutes to play because there was fight after fife after dirty play slash cross check five on five brawl. And by the end of the game, you had literally, I'm not kidding you, two players sitting on the bench. You remember those times? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How can you forget those times? You know what I mean? Uh, But I was in the league. You were obviously in the league when, uh, when they switched from training camp being like three weeks 
before uh, the first game or two weeks before the first game to like you show up on a Friday, you do your physical, maybe a Thursday, you do your physical on the ice Friday. You might be playing Saturday, Sunday, maybe. Like, I mean, yeah. the Sabres are. Uh, when do they? Do you know when they? Uh, I'm using. The well, Sabres I re- I remember going exa- to camp on like the 15th. Show them up on on a Monday. The Monday you would skate on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You would have a Sunday off. Then you'd go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You would travel, uh, play four games on the weekend. Then you would have you would have to report on the Monday if you were a a rookie chosen to go to the main camp, you would do your testing and you've already, you're already beat up to shit in those two weeks. Okay. Now you have to do your testing and you would do your testing, which was like, for me, it was, it was very, I had really like not anxiety. I never, I I don't know what it feels like to have anxiety, but I, I just felt scared because I was always thinking I didn't do enough. I, we've talked about this before, right? Um, you would do your testing. Then you go to the, the, the main camp. You do your main camp. And it's like, I mean, you're, you're doing it for what? Two weeks minimum? Then, then so you, now you've been playing games and practicing and getting the crap kicked out of you, you're in the gym doing all these sprint workouts and rides and lifting. And now you've been going super crazy hard. I mean, super crazy hard for a month plus. And now you're into eight games, eight exhibition games. I remember playing all the games one year. I played all the games, man. I, I was so exhausted. My I couldn't wait. I was like, please send me down i oh my god please send me down because i am i can't i am so exhausted right now i was not sleeping well in the hotels you're not eating properly because you know you're eating your mummy's not there to cook your friggin' meals you're you know you're skimping and going to friggin' uh, mcdonald's or burger king for a quick little it, it was it was awful my first the year that i made the team out of training camp we i played all eight exhibition games okay 10 fighting majors 10 <laughs> 10 fight and a goal i had a goal against ottawa ripped it miro Shatan dropped pass in the slot in st Catharines, jack gatecliff arena exhibition game against ottawa fought chris neal right after that 10 fights in eight preseason games how you think you're feeling after that one? No, but anyway, no. I, I just I remember I remember coming into the league and I uh, remember what was the big thing the first seven days of training camp. Remember the big thing first seven days of training camp? Um, try and survive. I don't even know three hour rule. Oh my! Oh my God! Yes, and that's the, the this is what I'm talking about. Back when I came in, there was no. NHLPA three-hour rule. They kept you there for eight hours. You'd you'd show up there at at eight o'clock in the morning. And there's days that you didn't leave there till four. You're on the ice um, for three-hour periods, right? And here's the thing: you're only supposed to be on the ice for an hour and a half back then. 
but we would be on for three hours doing extra stuff, extra bag skates, constant shooting, battling drills, and you were completely exhausted. Then you add the then you had to do the off ice stuff, which is supposed to take what forty five minutes. You're there. You're in the gym for two hours. You are absolutely spent by the time the next day came, uh, comes around because your your body can't recover qu- quick enough. Teams were murdering their players. Teams were like two a days workouts every day. And then I remember, I remember coming to my first training camp. I, I don't know when the, the three hour rule was implemented. You would probably have a better idea of that than I would. Mm-hmm. But all I know is that when I came in 98, it was, it was there, but we didn't have a training camp in 98. Cause they were in the team was in uh, the Sabres opened their training camp that year in Austria. So we just had one of those rookie tournaments like you were talking about, but the next year and the year after there was always that three hour rule, which you know, when you, when you never really, never really seemed to apply to any team or any year that I was, I was, I was in the league. That's all I can tell yeah. you. I don't ever remember being out of the rink or off the ice or off the, out of the gym within three hours, but I can still, I can still remember being at training camp one year, um, being scared out of my, my bejesus. I remember, um, getting there. I tried to eat a little bit of uh, instant oatmeal sort of thing before I had left my hotel room. I had to be um, at the training facility so we could do all our testing, do our medicals with the doctors, you know, everything. And then you, and then after that, once you're done your medicals, then you can go and do all your testing. So you're doing the Wingate, the VO2 max. These were, these were horrible, 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 um, testing back then. Um, but I can still remember being, I was 18 years old. Actually, I was still 17. Um, because my birthday was, uh, September 13th. So I was at training camp and when we were doing our testing, I remember a bunch of the, uh, the veteran players on the Montreal Canadians going around and basically not even getting in line, obviously, because they were, they were the guys, they just walk right in front of you say, I'm going next. And you're like, okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I remember watching one of the, uh, one of the players, I think it was, um, Mike Keen ended up doing the bench press test. Um, you know, does it, and you know, he's not a real big guy, but you're like, wow, that's, that's impressive for, for what he just did. Right. And then all of a sudden, one of the, uh, one of the guys that was helping out says, Hey, uh, Patrick, uh, uh, you know, you're up. And Patrick Waugh looked at this guy who was a younger guy. He just goes, the bench press doesn't stop pucks. He goes, put me down for a zero. And he walked out of the room and we're all looking at each other going, I'm thinking to myself, man, I need to get to that point. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Man, do I need to get to that point where I can basically just say, no, I don't think I'm doing this test because that doesn't stop pucks or that doesn't defend, you know, anyway, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the look on on the person's face that was working all the stuff. He didn't know what to do. You know, the best goaltender in the world at the time. At the time, basically just said. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that. I, I don't think I ever played with somebody that was, 
bigger than the <laughs> bigger than the fitness test. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what? You know what's amazing is that in the last few days, other than JT Miller's contract, there hasn't really been a ton of news in in you know the NHL. No, I mean, which has been is, radio silence. Yeah, it really has. It really has. I mean, I I don't know if are there. Any, I haven't even looked really lately, but I know a lot of the big names have signed. But are there any guys that haven't signed yet? Well, let me let me ask Who's you this one, because like, this uh, this just pops up on my feed. Done. What's this that? Just popped up on my feed right now. Let's hear it. And 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 you can guess you can guess what this player uh, signed for. So, um, literally right now, the Montreal Canadiens have just signed Kirby Dak. Okay. Okay. So Kirby Dak has played uh, three years in the league. He's obviously turning. Uh, turning 21 or he is 21 and he's already turned 21 just finished three years in the league first year 64 games played eight goals 23 points second year is when he got injured 18 games two goals 10 points now remember this is the number three overall draft choice in 2019 His last year, which was last year, in 70 games, had nine goals and 26 points. Now, this player just signed a four-year contract. How much money is he worth on a four-year contract? Uh, Four-year contract, if I were GM, and now remember, he's not a sniper, okay? He's not a goal scorer. Uh, he's, he's more of like a, an all around player, a bit more of maybe a setup guy, uh, more heavy on the assist side than he is goals. So, you know, I mean, if he's a, if he's a, an 18 to 25 goal guy in the NHL, that's exceptional. I think he could be a 50, 60 point guy in this league. Um, if healthy now that was the year he busted, he had a bad wrist injury. Did he not? He broke it at world juniors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I would say if I were a GM and I were rolling the dice on this guy on a four-year deal, I would love to have him between three and a half and four million. Okay. He uh he signed a four-year deal and he's and the cap hit is three million three hundred and sixty-two thousand and five hundred dollars. That's amazing. I think that's an, what did we say yesterday? Uh, I said roughly about million bucks per 10 points, right? If you're talking about a, a, a top six guy, right? You know, he had 26 points last year, missed 12 games. Um, you know, if you give him another five, five points in those 12 games, that's 31 points and you'll expect him to get, you know, over 40 in the years to come. I think that's a great deal. I really think that's a great contract. You got a guy who could potentially explode and be a massive piece on that team with a bunch of young talent like that is, and they're getting bigger. They're Montreal's getting bigger. Where does he, where does he fit in on the team? I don't know. It's not my job. He's been a natural center for years. Like years and years and years, six foot three is 210 pound kid. He's been a good hockey player. Okay. You have Nick Suzuki as their number one center. 
undeniable with Cole Caulfield and, and, and Mike uh, Hoffman. Line two is Christian Dvorak. Guaranteed, very, very strong second-line center with Jonathan uh, Drouin and Josh Anderson. Third line. And this is where you, we've, we forgot to put this guy into the lineup. Slavkovsky? No, Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan, who was a number one center two years ago, is now playing on the third line in, in uh, Montreal's depth chart. This is a guy that has scored, listen to me, first year in the league, 22 goals. Second year in the league, 31, 27, 27, 31, 34, and 22. And then two years ago, he had, he struggled with a hip injury. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So he had a really off season and in 50 games, he had 28 points and 10 goals last year. He struggled through another year of injury, did not have a good season, eight goals, 23 points in 65 games. He had off season hip surgery, and now he's going to be ready for the season. And, and, and my thinking is, is he going to be the 30 goal scorer that he's, he's scored 30 goals three times already. He's had two 27 goal seasons. So when I look, when I go back to it, you know, you have your third line is you've got any Dananoff who scored 25 goals last year. You have Brendan Gallagher and Sean Monaghan. They've got a bunch of guys signed uh, uh, throughout. I mean, it's a very and interesting so he's, team. He's so, basically he's basically sitting on the fourth line right now with Jake Evans, who is a bona fide centerman, one hundred percent. He is your penalty killing guru, and and Joel Armia. We all know Joel Armia, a former first round draft pick uh, of the Buffalo Sabers. So Kirby Dak right now is playing on their fourth line. It's going to be playing on their fourth line. Interesting. You know what player on Montreal? That if you had, I met him the day he was. And you drafted. know, you know that I haven't. You, I, I was waiting for you to say, well, where, where's this guy? Where's the big boy? Who? I was about what? Who? Slavkovsky. Why? Well, I, I mentioned him earlier, but you just kept rambling over me. Oh, where's he going? Where's he sitting in that lineup? I would think that he would be on the first line with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield. They're going to throw him right into the fire immediately. Can't wait to see. I can't wait to see him play. I can't wait to see him play, to be honest with you. But as I was saying, do you know what, you know what player I never in a million years would have thought had the career that he had. And I met him when he was drafted by the Sabres. And I can tell you that I remember meeting him. And I remember thinking, this kid will die before he gets out of his first NHL training camp because he was the size of my pinky finger, height and weight. And this kid has gone on. He's not a kid anymore, which I just looked at his age and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I know. I know you're talking about. I think I know you're, you're he's talking He's the guy about. that your, your uh, nephew punched his lights out after he ran him from behind there. Like uh, Polly Byron. Yeah. 
Paul Byron. Do you remember how skinny he was when he came to camp? Do you remember his body fat? God, you were you were there when he came to camp. Yes. For, oh. I re- I remember them talking about him, and Paulie Byron at the time I think was like five foot eight, and I think th- I'm pretty sure that he weighed in at a hundred and thirty four pounds. I don't I don't know I don't remember being that light. Yes, but. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, right. you got to go back in time and phone our, our, our old trainer, Doug McKinney. He was like something insanely light. Like it was like, like jaw dropping. And he's at an NHL training camp. So he might've been, he might. I remember his body fat. Like he looked, he literally looked like he swallowed a birdcage. All you saw was ribs. (laughs) Do you, I think he was, I think he was around under four, 4% body fat. All I, I just remember he played his, he played his 500th game last year. And I, and I, I know he's been in the league. I know I've watched him play against the Sabres. I know I, I just, when I saw 500 games, I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, it just goes to show that when you look at a player, when they're 18, you have no clue what they are going to be when they develop into pros, if they make Men. it to pro, you know, that's like, why I think the NHL draft age is, is it needs to be a year older. There is no reason for these kids that are 17, 18 years old, why you can't wait another year. Now, if there's an exceptional status, player okay where there's five players in the league let's say that are the five let's say the five worst teams in the league want to draft an exceptional status player which would be an 18 year old then i would say yes because most likely those players are going to play in the nhl a brady burrard this year coming up is going to be playing in the nhl and he's going to be able to step in and, and, and play very well. The Russian kid um, who is the, who's going to be fighting for a top pick, Adam Fantilli is going to be fighting for the top, one of the, one of the top picks. These players are special, but everybody else should be drafted a year later because there's so many times that players are drafted And you're like, yeah, this guy's tapped out at 17 years old, 18 years old. He's not getting any bigger. He's not getting in. You know what I'm saying? And mentally for a lot of these kids, some, some, some 18 year olds act like they're 25 and some 18 year olds act like they're 15. They just need time to develop. Maybe the rule should be, and maybe you already said this, but first rounders can be 18. Everyone else after that, 19, 20. You know what I mean? Like if 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 you're gonna take an 18 year old, it has to be in the first round, or like an exceptional status, like you mentioned. But I, yeah, you know See, how I do don't you even determine- like that because I think first round draft picks are players, um, unless you're unless you're a top five pick, so that the top five picks in the NHL draft should have the ability to take a special status player, which is going to be a kid that's 18. But every single, every single team after that 
should be drafting players that are 19. Well, then the, the whole thing should shift unless like, you know, then junior hockey needs to shift as well. Yes. And no, no, no. Junior hockey doesn't need to, to shift at all. Yeah. Junior hockey needs to stay the course. Year. Keep them home for another year. I mean, you don't have to go into the OHL at 16, go in at 17. I, I went in at 17, right? Um, but you don't have to go in as a 16 year old. You know, go in as an, even an eighteen-year-old. I mean, it. it you know, the, the the stigma is that if you go product, into junior hockey as an eighteen-year-old, you're done. Like, what's that? The product is going to be better because you're allowing more time for kids to develop. There's a lot of sixteen-year-old kids that go to the OHL, WHL, the the Quebec Major Junior, and they don't play. They don't play because the kids that are seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and the overages at twenty take the ice time. The 16-year-olds should not be playing in the OHL. They should be. We should move the NHL draft back a year to 19, which now there's no panic to get your kid into uh, the high-end junior leagues that quick when your 16-year-old could be playing at another level where he's dominating and getting a ton of ice time. If you don't play, you don't get better. It's it would period. allow it would allow more kids to to stay in their age groups. You know what I mean? Like a fifteen year old kid not playing up at sixteen U, but staying at fifteen U. A sixteen U staying at sixteen U and not going to junior. You know what I mean? Like the whole the whole shift would be very beneficial for not just the players, but the parents and the families. How about that? Let's take that into consideration. Uh, anything else you want to discuss today? No. You kind of threw me off yesterday at the end when you dropped Top Gun on me. I didn't know how to handle that. So I didn't it's the enjoy the first it. movie I've watched from start to finish in a very long time. Um and uh it was fantastic. It wasn't fantastic. I think you're being you're being nice, but that's a that's a debate we've already had and if it's the first time you've heard that opinion from us. Go back and look. It's back there in the uh, it's in the past shows, not too long ago, actually. Anyway, that'll do it for today. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.